Dolly Parton once said, we cannot control the wind, but we can adjust the sails, or at least we think she said it. And while we here at Everyday Wonder do think that is a lovely sentiment, let's be clear, it has now been four weeks. Four weeks since COVID-19 started upending our lives and leading us into a pretty scary tunnel of uncertainty. In other words, our sales are now starting to get a little tattered. And it's all been so disorienting, we're not even sure if it's been four weeks or five or three. As the old Chicago song goes, does anybody really know what time it is? And does anybody really care? Now, of course, we do care. Everyday Wonder is a New Orleans-based podcast that's about finding hope amidst the heartache, fear, and sorrow of our times. I'm Brett Will Taylor, here with my Everyday Wonder co-host, Renee Peck. Hello, Brett Will. Good to be here. Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Hanging in, indeed. And, you know, um, I think part of what's made things harder for folks in recent days, Renee, is that we've just had these two massive communal rituals, Passover for the Jews and Easter for the Christians. And I, I don't know about you, but I've just seen a lot of people commenting about how hard it's been to celebrate um, remotely, or even in a lot of people's um, situations, solo. What do you think? Well, I, you know, I think that the, I think there's been a lot of uh, focus in the last week or so with Ramadan and uh, Passover and Easter with these crowd endeavors that we do as community that, uh, that people ha have a lot of, get a lot from, but that's not really, I don't, I didn't mind missing Easter services. I, 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 I can do that remotely and get as much out of a sermon as I do when I'm sitting there. And um, for me, it's not about these, these rituals that happen with community that bother me so much and put me in a place that's really pretty despairing these days. It's the much smaller, more family oriented, uh, more personal ones. Um, I, um, I wrote a column this week called Death by a Thousand Cuts, and that's what I see happening. All of these small uh, ceremonies and rituals and things that we do as families that are suddenly going by the wayside. And uh, for me, there were some very big events in our lives this spring. We had a wedding planned. We had some major birthdays. We had uh, a newborn grandchild. And all of those are events that were marred or had to go by the wayside because of coronavirus. So while they are not as big as a thousand person Easter service or as ritualistic as a Seder where 15 or 20 people from different families come, to me, this is what's causing the most grief because these are things that will not happen in this way ever again. These are things that will not take place in exactly the same way. Next year, I'll go to an Easter service. Next year, my friends will have a Seder. But the kinds of things that we're missing right now are the things that will never happen again in quite exactly that way. Um, my daughter you know, will be married, but it won't be the same wedding. My daughter will have a birthday, but it won't be her 35th, which is right. a significant one for her. So, you know, for me, a lot of the anxiety and, and sadness we're feeling comes from the missed opportunities to have those meaningful small moments that will never come again. So I want to key in on something that you said in your column, and I thought it was such a beautiful story. And that was you talked about some health challenges you had had a number of years ago and that your doctor said, look, in the scheme of things, these aren't a big deal. 
And you, you, you so beautifully said, I guess then, and I know in your column, but they're a big deal to me. And I think what's so powerful about what you've just shared is, is this fierce protection in these times of the individual moment. Because, you know, this is a global pandemic. And so it feels like we're kind of being pulled into this global response. Um, but most of us don't live global lives, you know? And it's not just that, Brad Will. It's the fact, you know, uh, psychologists and scientists talk about collective trauma. And what we're going through right now is a collective trauma. And collective trauma uh, is something that starts at a point of impact and then ripples out to the community at large, the world at large. And that's certainly what has happened here. And there are universal things that happen with collective trauma. People have anger and depression and anxiety and grief, and, and they have different responses to it. But for me, it's not the collective trauma that 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 wounds so badly. It's the individual trauma. And I've told them I've told my daughters this all their lives. If they say, oh, you know, you talk about first world problems and and you talk about things. I shouldn't be upset about this because I shouldn't really be worried about this. I have enough food. I didn't lose my job. I'm sitting here at home, you know, that I don't have to worry about paying the mortgage on. People feel guilt for having depression or anxiety when their problems are not as big as other people's problems. But my attitude is, if you have a problem, if you have something that is bringing you anguish, it doesn't matter how big or small that is to you or to Daryl. Hello, Daryl, our producer. Nice to have you on the conversation. Um, but it, it, it's still your problem. And that's what I realized with this doctor all those years ago. He was like, so you're having a few side effects. You know, it, you're not dying. And I'm like, you're right, I should be grateful I'm not dying. But then I'm like, wait a minute, damn it. I'm not grateful because I'm having side effects and I don't like that. And so it may not be a big problem in the world scheme of things, but it's causing me heartache and grief. And I think that that's where a lot of our, um, a lot of our, pro not our problems, but a lot of our anguish and despair and sadness is coming from these days is from all of the small things that we are having to give up and lose and that are not happening for us because of, of what's happening. Yeah. You know, I do work in change management. And one of the things we always talk to people about is please do not characterize the size of a change. In other words, don't be like, hey, you know, but this isn't a big change. Because when you're experiencing change, every change is big. Right. I mean, if you're having side effects, they're big. I mean, they're significant because you're personally experiencing it. Daryl, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Uh, I'm doing OK. I'm having hard, harder and harder times trying to find purpose in my everyday, you know, just day to day living at this point. So uh, I think it's for me the adage of everybody's working for the weekend, you know, but then there's no weekend anymore. So what do you do? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I didn't re I used to think that the things that I did on the weekend helped me do the stuff I didn't want to do during the week. <clears throat> I had no idea that it's kind of the other way around. It's if I don't have the weekend, I don't even want to do the things I need to do. anymore. if every day is like a weekend, then there's no real, you know, it just doesn't feel like there's anything I'm building towards or I'm looking forward to. I don't get to look forward to meeting with my friends next month. Or for instance, I have a birthday coming in June. You know, these are milestones that I'm not gonna get, that are gonna, if there are anything, they're gonna look vastly different than what they used to. And I don't have that to look forward to anymore. So it's just all you have to look forward to is just days, you know? Like mm -hmm. uh, right now, the my best part of a day is the morning. I like getting up in the morning, I like having my coffee, 
I like seeing a new day start, but after it gets to about noon, it's just like, well, bedtime's right around the corner, you know, and it's going to be starting all over again tomorrow. So I'm just trying to find a way to keep myself busy. So Daryl, you, you talked about your favorite part of the day is in the morning, and I find myself in the mornings. Um, certainly is when I'm the most energized, and that makes sense for all of us, right? But But the flip side of that, and I wonder if you two are experiencing this, is at the end of the days, I am so exhausted. Like, I just feel completely depleted. And to be clear, what I do during the day hasn't changed that much. I mean, I've been, I've had my own business for a number of years. I also am a writer. So my routine, the surface, looks pretty much like it did five weeks ago, but the experience is different and it just depletes me. How about y'all? Yeah, I, I think that we are all exhausted. And I think, I th and I don't think it's physical exhaustion because God knows where, you know, I'm lifting my remote control for exercise these days. But um, but I do think it's mental exhaustion. It's um, it's it, 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 years ago, um, a coworker had to fill out a sick leave form when he came back from being sick, and under reason for illness, he put ennui, which I thought was hilarious because I was like, yes, we all feel that, you know, at times in our lives. But I think that's what we're feeling now. I think that this that this um, this stasis, this inability to move forward. This, uh, this stoppage in our lives that don't let us move ahead in any discernible way that's identifiable with what we used to do before. I think that's put us into what all three of us are agree agreeing is this mode of not really being able to make decisions or do things or do projects or be creative or be energetic because we have this immense unease, this immense ennui with I just can't you know, you're reading Camus right now. Isn't that a whole tenet of existentialism is that it's pointless to move on? And I think some of us are feeling that existential angst right now, Brett Will. Yeah, I, um, you know, you say unease. I found myself um, at the end of last week and going into the weekend feeling very unmoored. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't mind going into the darkness. Um, but I don't like going in completely blind. And it just felt like there was not anything to hold on to to anchor me, but just anything to hold on to to comfort me. And so one of the things I did, I mean, I'm a student of history and I'm a student of myth and those two worlds combine in Camus' The Plague. Um, and so I started reading that again because um, uh, it reminds me that as a species, we have been here before. Uh, now, it is not the most uplifting thing, but it is a perspective, and I don't know what it is about me, but even, even when it's a darkness, um, there's a comfort in knowing that um, others have walked this path before, and, um, and I don't mean that in a, terms of, in a naive or idealistic way that is simply we'll get through this, because that phrase I get it, but you have to acknowledge we won't all get through this, um, or we don't know if we'll all get through this, but that shared humanity helps. And, um, you know, and that's what myths do. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where to turn, and I don't know if you two know where to turn to find motivation in, in days like this. I'm not sure I would find it from um, existential writers. 
I do think that one of the problems I'm having is this loss of rhythm. And I think, Daryl, that's what you're alluding to as well. I think all of us have a certain rhythm to life, whether, whether we work at home or we go to an office, whether we have a nine to five job or we have a project oriented job, whatever we do, there's a certain rhythm. And when that rhythm is broken, if you don't find a new rhythm, which I don't think we all have yet, I think it, it gives you this loss of, of control. And I think that's one thing I'm feeling is the loss of control. I'm a very controlled person. I'm a planner. I know what things are happening. I know what I'm doing. I've got my calendar, you know, mapped out for days and weeks ahead. And the loss of control over what's happening, I think, makes us feel powerless. And I think maybe that's part of what we're talking about here is we just feel so damn power, powerless uh, to do anything about this. And um, I think that's part of what is giving us this inertia that I'm having a very difficult time with moving beyond. Yeah, you know, I go to, um, I go back to myth because um, when you talk about powerless, knowing the, the patterns or, or what to do, um, I find I have to get out of my head. I have to stop thinking about that from the perspective of being Brett Will Taylor, the individual, and try to think about it from the perspective of being human, one of billions and billions of humans who have been on this earth and gone through times like these and other times. Um, and, and, and again, for some reason that helps me, that actually motivates me. Um, you know, myth, my, one of my favorite descriptions of myth is Joseph Campbell saying, it's just a scorecard to let you know how you're doing. So, you know, myth is a common story is that, infinite story of being human and you can it from the perspective of being an individual and just see where you're doing you know how you're doing with it or the seasons um you know i find a lot of motivation these days just from going on a walk and it's not because of walking around the block i mean the walk itself is pretty frigging boring um but this is spring this is a time of renewal from an earth, from, you know, from the, a nature standpoint. Um, and so it's fun to pay attention to how the blue bonnets are doing. You know, the blue bonnets are coming up here in Texas despite COVID-19. And um, you look at Easter and Passover. I mean, Easter is a story of resurrection. Um, it's a story and it's a reminder of birth and life always come from death. Um, I can't, and I, I can't be, I can't, I can't. Be that optimistic. I can't. I think that the fact that the weather's so gorgeous out my window right now is sort of one of these big jokes that that God and nature are pulling on me, because it's hard for me to appreciate that uh, in a way that overcomes the fact that I'm appreciating it from my window alone. And I think that that the isolation versus loneliness. I think loneliness and isolation yep. are two different things. I think people can be lonely in a crowd. And I'm not missing the lonely, the lone, I'm not feeling the lonely part, which I feel in the crowd. I'm missing the crowd part. I want the crowd yep. because uh, that's the part of it that makes uh, appreciation of nature or myth or conversation or whatever uh, meaningful. And, and, and when you do it in a vacuum, which is what I feel like I'm doing right now, it, mm -hmm. it makes it very difficult to... Uh, to, to feel that connection that we need and that, and that you feel just from getting out of your head and sort of thinking about different things. Um, I, I wish I could get there. 
Yeah, and look, I mean, I get, you know, I am a, a weird little guy over here. I can connect, I connect with the tree or with the blue bonnets. I think, I think what's interesting, you know, there's a couple of things. One thing I have to share with, with you, Renee, is just this line um, from the plague, uh, which was something along the lines of, it's not the isolation, it's the being in exile. Mm. And I think that's what we yes, feel. I mean, so. that's, we have, we've been exiled. We have been exiled from living. our community, from each, from living, exactly. Well, that's a little dramatic, but yeah. yes. But I guess exile's a little dramatic too, so okay. Um, but you know, I think that's, a, it's, it was such, it's such a great line. We feel like we've been exiled from our lives. Right. Um, but the other thing, listening to you, and I think this, you know, you and I talk about this a lot. You know, we're two people who are, similar but different. Um, and I think we both um, roll our eyes when people come forward with one size fits all solutions, um, which is such an impulse right now, right? Or maybe impulse is the wrong word, but there's so many prognosticators saying, this is how you fight this, or, well, Renee, you should just go sit with the blue bonnets. You will get out of your blues. Um, and one more uh, person says we all need to journal about this. I'm going to throttle them because we don't all need to go journal about this. Some of us need to journal about this, but a lot of us really don't need to be posting every minutia and, and odd and inane thought that they ever had in order to save this for future generations. Wait, Renee, you mean you don't want me to send you a picture of my pork and beans I'm going to have on day whatever this is tonight? No, not really. I don't need you to journal your feelings for me to save this for future, uh, for, for, for future populations. I do not need to know what you're cooking for dinner. I do not think the world needs to record every thought or nuance that we have unless it helps you as an individual. And then by all means do it. If that gives you something to put that picture out there, that's great. I also think that if, um, if there, I, there are benefits to sharing things, there's no question. Um, you know, it's funny because Daryl has told us that he's an introvert before. And I was reading a, um, a piece by the president of Kenyon College who says that he's an introvert and that he could not wait when this started. He had this guilty pleasure over the fact that he now didn't have to go out and glad hand people and talk and speak and all these things he's had to force himself to do. And I'm a little like that too. I don't, I'm not that social a creature. so. For me to be alone is not a problem. I don't get lonely. But for me to be in isolation, what he found and what I'm finding is that those little moments of connection where you run into somebody at the grocery store or somebody calls you honey across the counter or you are taking a walk and you stop and chat with somebody in Audubon Park, those are the small moments, the individual moments that take away the connection and put you into exile as you were talking about before. So if you wanna post something and there's something we can share with that post, if it's meaningful, I'm all for it. If you're just filling up time because you're bored, I'm not so into it. Yeah, and I think, um, <laughs> you know, we, we had an episode a couple of days ago where we talked about intention. And I think that's part of what you're saying here is um, if your intention is to fill up time, forget it. If you're, if you're trying to connect, right? I mean, I think we're all trying, whether I connect with the blue bonnets or you connect with, um, you know, a grandbaby or, or whatever, we're just trying to connect. And, and I want to just go back to for a second as we start to, to wrap this up, um, you know, this interesting tension that's showing up here in our conversation, which is that tension between the individual and the collective, right? 
because right. we're both emphatic. I mean, you know, basically you and I could be from the state of New Hampshire. We're kind of don't tread on me people, right? Um, and we don't like the, we don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to be told that we're like- And our permanent guest, New Orleans is that way as well. I was just going to say, exactly. And at the same time, our permanent guest, New Orleans, those of us who live there um, or live there even part-time, um, we also are very social creatures. So we want to come together as individuals, but the emphasis is as, is as much on coming together as individuals. So it is that beautiful meeting of the individual and the collective. Does that make sense or did I rant? Yeah, it's a, it's a paradox in a way because, because New Orleans loves to be, people, individuals in New Orleans love to be eccentric. We love our eccentrics, but as a group, we come together because we're eccentric. So we celebrate as a group, what we also celebrate as individuals, which is anti-collective. So I think the lesson in that is that we, yes, this is a collective trauma. Yes, we react to it as individuals. Yes, there are some things that work for all of us. And yes, there are some things that will not work for all of us or any of us. And I think that's what we're trying to work our way through is what are the coping mechanisms that we have that can get us from today to tomorrow on whatever journey we are. And that comes back to the beginning, which is when I said that my way through is, is all about the small moments and the small disappointments. And however I get over that is something that I have to do. That's my problem for today. And it's where I'm going to go. I wish that I could look at, I wish that I could, get out of my head the way you do. And I wish that I could learn something in a shamanistic way that would take me out from the id or the ego or the whatever it is that keeps me grounded to my own pain and my own personal disappointments. Um, and there are ways to do that. I mean, there are psychologists have ways to do that. Uh, but, uh, but I think your way is better. Well, I'm not sure if it's better. I would say it's just my way and you know listening to this and and um being with you renee you know you and i are both outsiders and uh so again we first bonded from that individualistic outsider approach right and i think it was like oh my god here's another outsider um and again there's the collective um and uh you know being with you uh, always reminds me of the importance of sharing um, and coming together. And again, I think that's what New Orleans does. And, and I think for all of us, um, continuing to share is so important. Whether you agree with someone, what someone is sharing or you have a different perspective, um, but you gotta share, you know, we have to stay human. Yeah, but they have to be good shares. I don't wanna see your pork and beans. I'm sorry, Brett Will. Can they be share shares, C-H-E-R shares? Like You're oversharing, don't okay. overshare. You know, that's one of the coping things they talk about. They talk about the things that speak to me about how you cope with this is that don't be in denial. Uh, I am in total denial, I'm, you know, and, and, and that's not a good thing because you gotta accept what's here. You gotta admit what you're facing. You gotta go there. A benefit finding is helpful. In other words, look around and find one good thing out there, one good thing you can hang on to. That's difficult for me some days, but I'm working on it. Um, and, uh, and honestly, routine is important. I'm a planner. And as Daryl said, 
if you get into this sort of every day is the same sort of purgatory, then you don't have a weekend and you don't have a daily routine. And that is important. Stuart gets up every morning and takes a shower and has breakfast and then comes in and kisses me and says, I'm going to work. And then he walks into the living room. He thinks it's hilarious. He laughs and so which is his routine because but it's his routine and and that is giving some sort of meaning to his life right now that he normally would not have or would find in another way and then i also have what i call a binge and purge sort of sort of uh problem going on which is that i'm binging on news and social media and all the bad things happening and then i completely turn it off so that i cannot really be you know uh, inundated with it so I think you use social media to be social, and I think that you use the news and you use Zoom and use all these things to be social, but I think at a certain point, you you have to be careful you're not using it to feed your anxiety. And um, and I think some of us do that. So I, I'm guilty of it sometimes. So I, I've, I've, I've gotta be careful. I've got to edit what I listen to and who I talk to and, and how I do it. Yeah, maybe. Um, I also think we have to give ourselves permission to experience everything we're feeling um, because um, I think if you try to edit, if you try to over edit now, um, those feelings are going to bite you on the ass further down the highway. And, and I go back to, I know you love list, you know, you're a reporter and you're a planner um, and you like outlines and all that. I just go back to, it's as simple as, as sharing and, and walking together. And, and I wanted to leave you Renee and Daryl, but also anyone listening um, with these, uh, I thought these beautiful lines from Rilke that, um, you know, as a poet, I love. Uh, and, uh, and the lines are this, um, and it kind of takes us back to where we started with um, some religious celebrations. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going, no feeling is final, don't let yourself lose me. Give me your hand. And, That's beautiful. And I think we're all trying to, you know, virtually reach for each other's hands a little bit and, uh, and walk through this together. So, um, so Renee, thanks for making yourself available. I always feel better after talking with you. It still may not make sense. Um, still may not know what time it is, but, uh, but it's better, you know. I hope so. I hope it keeps going that way. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you, Renee. And thank you, Daryl. And thanks, folks, who have listened in. And uh, we'll see you in another couple of days for uh, another episode of Everyday Wonder in these COVID times.